Wonderful. Let's turn to the book of Genesis once again. Genesis, Genesis chapter number 42 this evening. Genesis chapter number 42. And uh, Sunday number two is almost in the books and, uh, from our uh, merge and relocation over here. Uh, in about three hours, it'll be complete. Uh, our, our second Sunday will have concluded, the services anyway, uh, will have concluded in about three hours. And so uh, some of you uh, either don't see the humor in that or you are, uh, uh, no, but the Lord has been good. Let's just continue to pray uh, for one another. I appreciate uh, your prayers and uh, uh, with just the, the leadership and the making of decisions. And and uh, I was, I've been asked, I said, Pastor, with the, the, the relocation, the merger, what are you... In, in, before we came over last Sunday, what are you most concerned about? Uh, are you concerned about losing people uh, in the move over? Well, uh, certainly you don't want to lose anyone uh, when you change from one location to the other, but I knew it was the Lord's will. It's what we should do, and, uh, but certainly sometimes people take advantage of change, and, uh, and so I said, but that's not my greatest fear. I said, well, is it for some of the folks at Bible Baptist with them being invaded uh, are you concerned with, with them? I said, no, because I believe they God's worked in their hearts and, and amongst them. And my prayer is that God would knit them to my heart very, very quickly and my heart to theirs very, very quickly. But that's not my greatest fear of when we get together. And my greatest fear, and I want you to pray for me, is actually I'm used to sitting on the platform. And my greatest fear is the number of times i got to go back and forth that I'm going to fall. And... Uh, that's my greatest fear, so please pray for me. Uh, now, it's not like dropping an offering plate or anything like that, but, but my, you know, my, my, my greatest fear is, is falling. And so, um, uh, Genesis chapter number 42, Genesis 42, and uh, this morning uh, I spoke from the life of Joseph, and uh, I had attended as my wife and I were away a little bit uh, this week, uh, thinking about the, the Sunday. I had intended on bringing a different message this evening than the one I'm going to bring, but because uh, tonight the message is on Joseph as well. But it just seemed that as we got closer to Sunday, uh, the Lord began to prepare uh, this day. And, th and this morning, uh, I'm sure uh, just about everybody was in the service this morning, the reminder, uh, God's in complete control. And uh, we're going to see that again this evening. This world changes all the time. Uh, we do not have the ability to see down the road. Uh, if we did, um, that wouldn't be faith. Uh, we trust the Lord. Circumstances around us change all the time. But I hope just today, as, as, as the service will conclude in less than three hours, I, I hope that as the day ends, we'll have on our heart and mind that no matter what changes around us, God does not change. Uh, God is who He says He is, and He does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This book does not change. Therefore, our hope does not change. Uh, no matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens in your life, no matter what happens in your home, uh, God is the same God. And uh, you can depend on Him. You say, well, Pastor, people have let me down. And they will. And, and we, ought to, we ought to work harder, not letting people down in our life. But God will not let you down. And that God is in complete, complete control. And many of you, if I gave you the opportunity tonight, could testify. 
of how uh, there are times in your life when you just didn't understand, you didn't know what would happen, but God showed himself, and uh, we, uh, we know that we serve a great God. And I want to just give you a thought tonight, and I want to be a help to you, a uh, thought that kind of ties in with this morning. I want us to look at Genesis chapter number 42. I'm going to read one verse of Scripture, which will be our text verse. I will have a word of prayer, and then we'll probably read a few more verses uh, by way of introduction to set the stage uh, for the message this evening. Uh, but you remember what uh, Genesis 41 was about. We preached about this morning. Some of you, that nap has erased a lot of, a lot of things. Uh, but um, how God brought Joseph out of that pit, out of that prison, and now he's second in command of Pharaoh. And it was all because he kept his relationship with God. He was preparing for, had the Spirit of God, and he's preparing God, he's using him to preserve not just those Egyptians, but God's going to use him to preserve his people. You see, why is that important? His people must be preserved because God made a promise that he would, but the Christ child would one day be in that lineage of those which he preserved. Let me just interject this. You, you, your pit is bigger than you. Uh, Joseph didn't realize it, but God was going to use him to preserve the way for the Savior of the world uh, to enter into this world. But now he is in power, he is overseeing the process of these seven uh, good years, preparing for the seven lean years. And look at me in verse number 9 of chapter 42. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them. And said unto them, Ye are spies, to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. I want you to notice the first part of verse 9. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them. Tonight I want to preach on this thought. Remember your dreams. Remember your dreams. Father, I pray that you'll help us tonight. I pray that the word of God would be real. May the Spirit of God be evident that we submit our hearts, our minds, our wills to you this evening. Uh, may this thought uh, just uh, permeate our soul and may we be reminded once again this evening of your goodness, your greatness, and yet of the fact that you are always in complete control. Uh, may somebody get their fire back tonight. May somebody get their fight back tonight. May someone enlist in your work this evening, and we be reminded that uh, it is a worthy, uh, worthy thing to press on. It's a worthy thing to continue. May we be reminded tonight that uh, nothing ever surprises you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at me, verse number 1 of chapter 42. Now, when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, I remind you of the great famine uh, that God uh, said was going to come. Pharaoh had dreamed the dream that he did not understand the interpretation. Joseph is brought before him as Joseph gives that uh, interpretation. There's going to be seven good years. Uh, seven years of, not just good, seven years of plenty. And on the back of that, there's going to be seven years of famine. 
And you remember that Joseph said, my advice to you is you to find somebody to oversee the collection during the seven good years so that you're prepared for the seven lean years. And I will not re-preach the, the message this morning, but and Pharaoh declared, uh, is there anybody like Joseph to whom the Spirit of the Lord is? It's, it's obvious it was in his life. And we saw in verse 40, very briefly, of chapter number 41, how Pharaoh said, okay, Joseph, you're the man. Uh, there's only one person you're going to answer to, and that is me. Everybody in this nation now answers to you as you prepare us for these seven lean years. So the famine is now uh, widespread. Not only for those Egyptians, we find in verse number one that when Jacob, Joseph's father, Jacob, who, who was still heartbroken, over the loss of Joseph. Uh, you remember Joseph, his pride and joy. Joseph, the one who had that coat of many colors showing that favoritism, who the bro his brothers had conspired against. And, and instead of killing him, they sold him off into slavery and told Jacob he is dead. The famine is with them too. And uh, that, that's a good thing for all of us to be reminded. Uh, there's some things in this world that's going to hit all of us. It's better to be uh, under the umbrella of God's protection and God's blessing uh, than out in this world. But we find in verse number 1 of chapter 42, Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, there's a famine everywhere, but there's corn in Egypt. <clears throat> Jacob said unto his sons, Why do ye look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither, and buy for us from thence, that we may live and not die. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother Jacob, sat not with his brethren, for he said, Lest peradventure mischief befall him. <clears throat> and the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And Joseph was the governor over the land. And he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew not him. We're getting the scene here. We're getting the setting here. Joseph... It's just about his business. Joseph, who had spent time in prison. Joseph, who had been wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife. Joseph, who knew what it was to travel in a caravan to a far land, having been sold by his own brothers into slavery. Joseph, the one who had been placed in that pit, overhearing his brothers conspiring to murder him, to kill him. And now he's set before Pharaoh, as we saw this morning in chapter 41. Now he's thrust into this responsibility, and Joseph is just busy. He's been busy collecting corn. He's been busy organizing how it would be distributed so that the people would not starve. In other words, Joseph's just doing what God has set in front of him. And all of a sudden... One day, his brothers come. I find humor in the scripture, and this is one place where Jacob's like, what, what are you sitting around looking at one another for? Go buy some corn. They come in front of who they did not know was Joseph. Joseph just fulfilling the task that God has set before him. And look at our text verse again. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them. All of a sudden, the dreams came back that he had dreamed many, many years ago. 
Joseph is not now a young lad. Joseph is a grown man who is the most powerful man, say Pharaoh himself. Joseph is a man much, much different. Matter of fact, being placed in a pit will change you. Being sold into slavery will change you. Living as a servant will change you. Being lied about and thrown into prison, that would change a man. And now the responsibility has been thrust on him. He's been living like an Egyptian. He now knows their tongue. He is speaking to them, not in their native tongue but in the Egyptian tongue and he, they have no idea who this is and Joseph is just doing what it is living the life that he now has been thrust into living and all of a sudden without even any warning now his brothers are in front of him can you imagine the emotion that must have filled his soul this is how I know Joseph was human because look how he talked to them He's been, oh, I've been waiting for this for a long time. I've got some things I want to say to you. And then all of a sudden, verse 9 tells us, it came back to him. He remembered the dreams he dreamed as a very young man. A lifetime, what seemed like an entire lifetime, had already been lived. The memories of his childhood... Or, or, or were gone. He had no longer cried himself to sleep thinking of dad and thinking about the wrongdoing. He had moved on. And all of a sudden, his brothers are in front of him. And the scripture tells us he remembered the dreams. Genesis 37 was a long time ago. See, see, what are, what are these dreams? Are these just things that came, out of his, came into his head? No, his dreams were God's promises that God had placed in his heart. His dreams were things that God had said, Joseph, I'm going to do this in your life. They were God's promises. These were not Joseph's desires. And Christian, you and I, we need to get that distinguished right out of the gate. Uh, you, your, your desires, they may be noble. They may be good. Don't always compare to God's promises and what God has promised us. And sometimes we say, God, you promised me this when we can't find that in Scripture. It's our heart's desire. It's not wrong to have our heart's desire, but this is not what we're talking about. This was not Joseph's desire. It was the promises of God that God had placed in his heart. See, when Joseph remembered his dream, it was remembering... That God had not forgotten about him. Forgotten about what he had promised him. Remembering his dream was a reminder that God was in complete control. H have you ever read a promise of God or held on to a promise of God only to wonder when God is going to fulfill that promise and while you look at a promise of God, life happens and things take place and the promise is a distant memory and we're reminded tonight that Joseph was in that situation. Everything that was unfair that could have happened to him had happened to him and yet because he was faithful to his God, now God had elevated him but that was not the end of the story as far as God is concerned. If that had been the end of the story, we would say, look what God has done. 
He's not a slave. They didn't know it, but they did him a favor. Now he's second in command. But it was not God's plan just to make Joseph the second in command. Joseph now went from a prison to having anything his heart desired. He was now a wealthy man. He now had a family. He now had everything that one would desire. He didn't have a need in this world. But God on his throne was more concerned with Joseph's comfort. He was concerned with his promises being fulfilled. And sometimes, Christian, life happens to us and God's promises become a distant memory and we're just in that survival mode. We have an example here. All of a sudden, without warning, Joseph didn't get up on this day and say, today's the day. God fulfills those promises. Today's the day. Let me remind you the dreams. The dreams were that one day, his brothers would bow down to him. Now, if you've got brothers and, and that's your dream, that is, that's your dream. That's God, God did not put that in your heart. <laughs> but in this situation, God put it in his heart. It was those very dreams that got him in the mess. If we describe it that way, that Joseph had found himself. Let me just mention a few things to you tonight and see if you can identify. Because I think there's some Christians because some life has happened. Some things have turned out differently than you thought they would turn out. When you were younger, you had everything planned and under control and your kids would be the first ones that were, the, were, good, were well behaved all the time. And everything was, I mean, you had it planned out. This is how your family was going to be and the, the white picket fence and the dog that never dug a hole and, 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 and all of those things. You were, it was going to be, and life has not turned out that way. You sympathize with those who buried a loved one in an untimely manner, but you never thought it would be you. It broke your heart to see family make bad decisions. And what you think destroys your dreams. So, well, I guess that's just not meant to be. And sometimes by our own doing, we, we look at our life and we say, well, I know that God has said this, but we'll just put that aside and, 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 and what do we, we just have to make the best of it. And certainly that's Joseph's attitude and this is where I am. I'm going to make the best of it. I'm going to stay trusting my God. And now he's given me the responsibility. What spiritual application could Joseph have actually made? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a governor now and I'm just, I'm just helping people be fed. And yes, that's a good thing. But he had no idea that God's promises were still in work until one day God brought it right across his path right in front of his face and all at a moment he remembered everything that God had promised him would take place. Friend, before I give you some things to see if you identify with, don't, don't, don't sell God short. Say, I can't see it. Joseph couldn't see it. And all of a sudden one day God said, here it is. And he remembered. There's too many Christians that have forgotten who their God is. They've forgotten the promises of God. They've forgotten. They've got their focus on the disappointments of life and not enough on the fact that if God says some things are going to take place, they're going to take place. Let me just give you some practical things. First of all, Joseph's path 
had taken a much different direction than he had imagined. I don't know, maybe somebody in the room can identify with that. Something in your life took a turn that you didn't anticipate. I've already given you some examples. Maybe there's been some things, sickness and death and things of that nature that visited your home that you didn't anticipate. Maybe poor decisions by husband, wife, child. And now in the midst of you trying to serve the Lord, you find yourself dealing with situations that you just, you cannot see. You cannot see how God could make them into something good. But it had taken a much different path than he had imagined. Can I just be very practical tonight and help all of us? You're not the first one that life threw you something you couldn't see coming. You're not the first one to be disappointed. You're not the first one to deal with heartache. You're not the first one, and we've got to remember that God's ways are above our ways. There are things that we cannot control, and I know we had it all written out and planned when we were young, and we can show that to God. That's not in my story. This is not in my plan. But God allows things to happen, and His life took a different direction than He had ever imagined. Can I just offer some some, some help in, in, in in that statement? Something comes your way that you didn't anticipate, that doesn't mean it's over. Doesn't mean your opportunity to serve God is gone. I mean, let's put ourselves in Joseph's shoes. The Egyptians were pagan. God's taken me from my family and my home, and now He's put me in a pagan land. What is there that I could actually, how could in the world, I don't even know if God knows where I'm at, friend. Just because something comes your way doesn't mean it's over. You say, well, pastor, I can't see it. Joseph couldn't see it, but lo and behold, on this day, God brought his brothers right in front of him. And he remembered the dreams that he had dreamed. Let me make the second statement, see if you can identify with it. Joseph's dream had been set aside. His dream had been put on a shelf. Those dreams that God had put in his heart, those promises that God in the form of that dream gave him. Here he is interpreting the dream of a butcher and a baker and now he's interpreting the dream of a pharaoh and yet here's his dream that he dreamed many, many years ago as a young man and God is yet to fulfill that promise. No doubt Joseph had been in a survival mode. Well, I'm a slave. I've got to just survive. Now I find myself in a prison. I've just got to survive. I'm going to keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but I've just got to survive. Now, no doubt, those dreams, those thoughts of him as that Hebrew young man, what God would do with me have been set aside just to perform the task that is in front of him. And he's got the responsibility now of feeding all of these people. He had had those dreams set aside. How many Christians, because life has taken a turn, you did not anticipate or something didn't happen the way you thought it would happen or somebody you invested in has gone wayward and left the things. That's not the way. That's not the way that God said it was going to happen. That's not the way I had dreamed of when they were small and as they grew. And we've set aside in the course of life And we put those dreams aside and now we are just harvesting corn. 
say, well, it's a noble thing that Joseph was doing. Sure it was, because what God had him to do, and God used it in a great way. But let's just break it down to what it was. He's harvesting corn. What are you doing for the Lord? Harvesting corn? What are you going to do today? Harvest some more corn? His dreams had been set aside. The promises that God had put in his heart as a young man had been put on the shelf. He never saw coming what God put in his path. Thirdly, see if we identify with this. This is something I want you to pay close attention to. Joseph's brothers were another part of Joseph's dream. What you think about this? There are certain circumstances that had to take place in the heart of his brothers for those promises that God made to be fulfilled. Think about it. I hate to make you think at 6.53 on a Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. Joseph was young when God put those dreams in his heart and gave him those promises. Joseph was ready to see that fulfilled right then. Matter of fact, if you remember the story, Joseph said, I'm going to go see my brothers. As soon as that dream came, they're going to bow down to you. He's like, oh, thank you, God. I'm going to go visit them. They're out working in the field, and they're going to be just as excited to hear what God has promised he's going to do as I am. You ever been that way, Christian? Everybody's going to be as excited to see what I found in the Bible. And lo and behold, they're not excited. Matter of fact, they're angry about it. They resist it. They rebel against it. Don't miss this. Joseph was a submitted vessel as a young man. He wasn't ready for what God wanted him to do, but he was willing. But his brothers were not. So years later, in the course of a lot of events, as God prepared Joseph, he not only prepared Joseph, but he prepared, don't miss this, the hearts of his brothers. He had to have God orchestrated a famine so that his brothers would have to come to Joseph. You say, God said that as a parent, if I did this, then they would turn out this way. The story's not written yet. It's not over yet, but I, don't, I can't see it. I don't know how it's going to happen. Hey, the famine hasn't come yet. They're not sitting around looking at each other wondering what's going to happen. You say, Pastor, I can never see it. You think Joseph really thought that the day was going to come? His brothers were going to burst in and bow down before him and say, please have mercy on us. Oh, no. It took him aback to the fact. He's like, what do I do now? Here's my brothers. He spoke roughly to them. And then he remembered. If it took him that long to remember, it's not something that was at the forefront of his mind anymore. God said, here it is. It is right in front of you now. God says, I had to do a work in their heart before I could fulfill that promise. God, the Bible says that if I pray and I ask you, you will hear me. There may have to be a famine. See, part of prayer and part of submission to God and part of God's promises being fulfilled is for me to have a surrendered heart. And for you to have a surrendered heart. And for you to be a willing vessel. But 
but it involves other people. God has to work in their heart as well. God has to do a work that is, is not just about you. And sometimes we get frustrated and say, I guess this just wasn't supposed to be. And can I, can I say it this evening as Christians, we even put some doubt in the word of God because we have not seen, we have not seen the promise of God fulfilled. Friend, you just got to hang in there. You got to hold to your God. You got to believe him. And yes, just go about your business serving God in the best way you can and just trust him that those promises are going to be fulfilled. And when you least expect it, There it is. He remembered his dream. God had to do a work in their heart. So, Pastor, I don't see, I I see no way, no way for there to be a reconciliation. I I see no way for this to take place. You mean kind of like being put in a pit? Sold into slavery, thrown into prison, living in a pagan nation. The chapter bears it out, and history certainly bears it out. The Egyptians hated the Hebrews. They were an abomination to them. The last place Joseph would ever expect his brothers to waltz into and see him was in the exact circumstances Joseph found himself And he had set that dream aside and said, well, I guess this is what the Lord has for me. But the Lord was doing a work, not just in his own life, but in the life of somebody else. You say, I had a dream when I was just to to serve God and just just to make a difference in the life of somebody else. But I can't see how that would take place now. Friend, you just keep doing what God has for you to do. And God never fails. He never, his word is always true. But we've got to just continue. I wonder how many Christians would come back to God if the people they left had stayed right. If they had stayed faithful. Mom and dad, you get a wayward child, you stay close to God. You stay in the house of God. Well, Well, it hurts our fellowship. One day the famine's coming. I believe it with my whole heart. We stay true to the word of God. That famine's going to get... Where are they going to go? They've got to go to where they can get corn. God's got to do a work in their heart. The fourth thing I'll mention to you, see if you can relate to this. It's very simple, very practical. God fulfilled Joseph's dream in a different way than Joseph expected. Can you imagine, think, 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 think this through with me. Joseph's a young man. He was his dad's favorite. He knew it, and his brothers knew it. I'm sure that kept Joseph as a humble young man. Anybody have brothers growing up? I am certain that he would never have reminded his brothers that he was the favorite. Joseph was a good young man. Lo and behold, he has a dream. Every young man's dream. One day, my brothers are going to bow down to me. Let's keep this in perspective. Joseph's great-grandfather was Abraham. God made some promises to Abraham. 
God promised Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation. The greatest nation on the earth. There's going to be, your, your descendants are going to be so great that you can't even number them. Are you with me tonight? No doubt Abraham told Isaac about that. There's no doubt Isaac had told Jacob. And because they didn't have TV to watch or, or computers to play on, they actually sat around and talked as a family. And, 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 and in the course of their, their, their worship to God and all of that, no doubt it was talked about. Kids, don't forget, sons, don't forget the promises that God made your great-great-grandfather Abraham. God's, we're his descendants. God's going to make us a great nation. With those thoughts in mind and that reality in mind, God places a dream in the heart of a young man and says, one day your brothers are going to bow to you. Now maybe you would be different than Joseph, but I guarantee, this, is my, this is what I think. I think Joseph in his mind thought, oh, that great nation that God's going to make, they're going to, he's going to elevate me. They're going to bow down to me because he's going to make me a ruler. That's not what God did, though. And I believe Joseph went to remind them, hey, guys, you got to hear this. You know how our dad's been telling us the promises made to Abraham. We're going to be a great nation. Guess what else God told me? You're going to want to hear this. I'm going to rule you. You're going to bow down to me. And before we vilify, and rightfully so, vilify his brothers, if that had been most of us, we'd have been with his brothers. Because it took less motivation for us to try and do worse to our own kin than, 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 than that revelation there. But I promise you this, I promise you this. Joseph didn't think that dream would be fulfilled in the way it was fulfilled. He had forgotten about it. And God did it a different way. In a way that Joseph, don't miss this, Joseph could get no credit. Joseph could get no glory. In a way that it can only be said, God is faithful. Friend, if you can see how God is going to fulfill every promise he's made in this book, uh, then God's not going to get the credit and God's not going to get the glory that he ought to get. And just because you can't see how God's going to fulfill a promise, how God's going to fulfill something that he has said in his word, I can't see it. It's, it's too late. There's no way it's going to happen. Uh, this... Uh, I read that and believed that before this happened in my life and this happened in my life. And, and I can't control what other people do. And, and, but God will fulfill it in a different way than you had planned. Just because you can't see it, friend, doesn't mean God's changed. Doesn't mean God, God is not true. Doesn't mean God will not fulfill what he said he's going to do. Some of you tonight, you need to remember the promises that God made. You remember the dreams you had when you first discovered those truths in Scripture and said, God can use me and God can 
use my family and God can do great things, but life has happened and disappointments have come and it's come. It, it, you're living a different life than you thought you would live. Friend, just keep at it, keep going, and their day will come when you least expect it. There they are. He remembered his dreams. I'll use a little bit of a humorous illustration in conclusion. As you know, I have three daughters. Uh, four, if you include Amanda, who's in heaven, but three daughters. And now they're getting to the age. Lissa's going to be 21. Anna's about to turn 16. And Anna thinks, or Addie thinks she's 30, but she's actually just 12. <laughs> and we, it's quite a comical thing to see. Me and four women in our vehicle, the conversations that take place. You say, what are those conversations? I try and exclude myself from them as often as possible. Of course, Alyssa's away at college now, but when she's home, the four women and the, um, the chauffeur ATM machine, and me, that's me, uh, in, in the vehicle. And conversations will break out. I'll be in what I call my bubble in the driver's seat. And I try and stay in that bubble. I try not to come out of the bubble. I try and just think about um, manly things as I'm in that <laughs> bubble. And don't really try and get drift anywhere. And it was one of these conversations. And, and they're all in their own little world, talking to one another and giggling. Ah, and that's, and I'm saying, I don't get it. Um, in this particular time, they were quoting, they were reading quotes. Oh, here's a good one. And there would be some inspirational quotes, and sometimes it would be a funny one. And, and it would be a conversation. If you know my children, you can understand it. And Alyssa goes, oh, that's me. And he's like, no, Alyssa, that's not you. This one is you. And so they're reading some funny things. And, all, and you know, and Addie being the younger one, trying to keep up. And this was, this was a little while, while back. And all of a sudden she's like, Dad, I've got one. I'm out of the bubble because this is going to be good. Here it is. Never undream your dreams. You see the depth in that? And of course, immediately, everybody's making fun of her. Really? Never undream your dreams? How in the world? She's hearing all these inspirational quotes that they're quoting and all this eloquence. And Addie, the, the young one, Addie, never undream your dreams. Now in our family, that is a running joke. You know how you have a running joke in your family? It's like, oh, I just got one thing to say to you before we leave. Never undream your dreams. I mean, it's not even possible to undream your dreams. I've had dreams that I wish I could undream, but it's not even, never undream your dreams. I'm like, I'm going to make a t-shirt out of that. I'm going I'm to get that put on the wall. Never undream your dreams. Here's the little mind of a, of a child who's trying to uh, throw something into the equation in the conversation. Uh, never undream your dreams. But you know what? That might be silly and mean nothing, but I think we can tie this in to the message tonight. Some of you have undreamed your dreams. Some of you have forgotten what God has said in this book. And just because you've forgotten doesn't mean God has forgotten. And there's somebody out there who's starving in a famine 
who needs to buy some corn. And if you have put your dream aside, God's going to give you the opportunity to be reminded of what He said in this book is true. And just because the heartache has come, and just because the failures have come, and just because you've disappointed yourself in not having the faith that you should have had in the low moments, and just as you say, everything has been taken away from me, don't undream your dreams. Don't forget what God has said and what God has promised. And if God has said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It doesn't matter how many times he's sold into slavery. It doesn't matter how many times he's thrown into a prison. God will rise him up and bring him up. And when there is no possible way for that to come around and be fulfilled to the fact, to the point that I've forgotten about it. And I don't even think about it anymore. That is so far in my past, so far in the distance that I can't even remember it anymore. Lo and behold, the brothers came in and said, we got to buy some corn. And he remembered what God has said. My goal tonight is just to remind everybody so that we remember the dreams, the promises of God. Some of you thought that God gave you that child to hold their hand when they learned to walk. They were going to go off and do great things for God. That's not how it turned out. But if you'll stay faithful, you may realize that God gave you that child to hold their hand when they're getting up off the mat from what this world has done to them. Oh, I, I thought that God was going to let me make a difference, but in the life of somebody, but I, that's just not the way it turned out. God's got somebody else that you don't even know about who one day is going to say, i got to buy some corn. We've got to find a way to live. And that promise that God has given you, that promise that your life can make a difference and will make a difference. So I don't understand how it's going to come about. I don't understand how it's going to be fulfilled. The moment they're in your, in your presence, it's all going to come to you. This is God fulfilling His promise. This is God in spite of what man has done, in spite of the mess and all of that. God has charted it all along, and now I know. That's how God fulfills what He has said. That's the remembering of my... Mom and Dad, don't give up those dreams. Sunday school teacher, don't give up those dreams. Oh, older Christian, mature Christian, don't give up those dreams. Oh, I've been faithful to God all these years and I don't have anything that they show for it. Oh, God's not done. God's not through. Well, I set out to do that before this happened. God is not done. We don't know what God is doing. We have the privilege of Scripture of looking backwards on the life of Joseph. And, and all along as you read the story of Joseph, oh, Joseph, just hang in there. It's going to get good. But if you're Joseph, you don't see it. If you're Joseph, you don't understand it. You're just trying to hang on to whatever hope you have. And, well, I guess at least through this, I get to have the benefit of not having any physical needs now that I'm in charge. That's not what God's concerned about. God's concerned about keeping His Word. It's still true in the Bible that to train up a child 
the way he shall go. He'll not depart from it. See, but pastor, you don't, no, 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 no. Let, let me tell you about, about, about my child. Not, you don't know, depart, they will not depart from it. Now, God may fulfill that promise in a different way than I would fulfill it. But he will fulfill that promise. He will fulfill it. I've been faithful all these years and I've been faithful to give and been faithful to tithe all these years and, and, and now I'm struggling and God says He's going to bless. Oh, we have blessings that we know not of that we'll understand how God has blessed us when we get to the other side. But I still believe in the course of us picking up the pieces of life and making the best of them and staying true to God as we preach this morning. It's on the pathway of putting our arms around of what's left of our dreams and our hopes and our life and making the best of it. That's when God opens the doors and the brothers came in and bowed down. It was in that moment he remembered. God is true. In closing tonight, my challenge is this. Don't quit. Don't quit. Before God gives you an opportunity to see those dreams fulfilled. Don't quit. Don't give up. A lot of bitter Christians today they say, well, God didn't keep his word. No, you quit. God was working. God was picking up the pieces. You say, well, I can't control. You, you, th you think... God was pleased with what they did to Joseph. He wasn't pleased at all. God, God, God gives man a free will, and God didn't say, now I want you brothers to do this to him, but no, God, in the spite of the evil in other people's heart, he reached down in the life of Joseph, and he maneuvered and said, and Joseph sums it up beautifully in Genesis chapter number 50, ye meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Joseph hung in there long enough till God reminded him, what I say, I mean. Friend, hang in there. If you've got a loved one away from God, don't you quit. The problem is many times when our loved one needs the corn, we're sitting next to them because we've not stayed true. Hey, there's, there's, a, there's a co-worker, there's a family member. My dreams were snatched from me because life happened. You the best you can keep your arms around that life and you keep moving forward. And you stay close to the Lord. And you just keep serving. Say, how in the world could God make good use? I'm living in a pagan land, speaking a pagan tongue, married to an Egyptian woman. My, my children are Egyptian. How in the world could God give, get any honor and glory out of that? And God's on his throne saying, you're exactly where I want you because it is, is that you are the one who's going to preserve my people. You are the one who is going to be the one who was faithful to me in spite of the circumstances. Friend, you don't know what God is going to do. Let's stay faithful. Don't undream your dreams. You may have set aside the promises of God, but God hasn't. God hasn't. Father, I pray that you'll use this simple thought, this simple truth, 
to remind us of your greatness. Remind us that if you say you're going to do something, we can consider it done. Now, it may be done in a different way. And a lot of times that's what we struggle with is how you fulfill your promises. Father, you have placed a people in our life that we need and we may think they need me in this capacity, but you've already seen the end and you know the different capacity that they're going to need us in. Father, I pray that we'll just be faithful and trust you so that we might along the pathway of just fulfilling the will of God for our lives, serving you in the capacity that we have. May we do it long enough, be faithful enough to see the fulfillment of your will.